0: Thanks for tuning in to the debut episode, Saturday Down South's recruiting podcast, Recruiting Down South. This is your host, Michael Bratton. I'm the news desk editor at Saturday Down South. Go by SEC Mike on Twitter, where I'm constantly posting SEC football news, recruiting news, terrible takes, and even worse jokes. So let's get to the show here. If you don't know by now, we're about to experience the very first early signing period in college football. And we figured we'd take this opportunity to kind of break it down, explain what it is, why is it happening. This was something that was just passed last off season, And what it essentially is, December 20th at midnight, the stroke of midnight, basically the very end of Tuesday going into Wednesday, uh, prospects will be able to sign their letter of intent. And th- that's going to be a 72-hour window. It's going to run all the way to Friday. And because we've never experienced this, we're not quite sure what exactly is going to happen. Um, is it going to be a traditional signing day? Is it going to be guys committing you know, all the way between Wednesday and Friday? I mean, we just don't know until, until it goes down, but uh, it, it does look like the majority of players are treating this first Wednesday, December the 20th, as a national signing day. I know LSU is doing a streaming uh, live national signing day preview type show like most SEC schools have, have done in the past. Uh, I'm not quite sure if other schools are going to be doing that, but I would imagine they will follow suit there. ESPN is having the national broadcast of players committing. That's going to be going down on Wednesday on ESPNU all day, uh, so it it's, it should be somewhat familiar. But uh, it's it's going to be very very interesting to play out. Now, I I have been asked what is the benefit of, the, of this early signing day, and I think it came in came into place really with the thought to get these, you know, a lot of these college prospects want to get this. They want to get this process over with. So let's let's finish it up. Heading into Christmas, heading into New Year's, these guys won't have to worry about any of this. The coaches won't have to babysit these guys. They won't have to be taking trips all, you know, tail end of December, all January, beginning of February. They can just close the book on a lot of these guys. And uh, when this rule passed, a lot of coaches, you know, they starting to believe that. Uh, Between 75 to 85% of their classes are going to sign early, uh, and that seemed to be the case. But uh, as it always does each year, the coaching carousel got going full wind. Uh, there's, There's just coaches on the move everywhere. There's going to be probably more coaching turnover at the assistant level now that all the head coaches are in place. They're just waiting for this initial signing period to come and go. But how this is going to play out remains to be seen. You know, a lot of new staffs out there, like Tennessee, for instance. Uh, I, I know f- that they're trying to get guys to just delay their signing because uh, that that helps new staffs and it hinders, you know, Alabama, Georgia, uh, teams with uh, staffs already in place, already ready to get locked their guys in, heading into a playoff run. So it'll be very interesting to see who signs, who doesn't. You know the, I would imagine there's a lot of prospects going into the weekend thinking, for sure they're going to sign this week, but they may not pull that trigger uh, as things get closer. It'll be really interesting to see. And if if prospects don't sign, do they lose a spot uh, with their committed class? How, how are coaches going to handle that? So uh, just a lot of unanswered questions at this point. It remains to be seen how any of this is going to go down. Are we going to get another signing day, essentially have two of those this season? That, that kind of looks like that's what's going to happen. However, there are some high-profile guys kind of already saying Friday is going to be the day that they commit instead of Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, so this could be a three-day committing event. Uh, I'm I'm also interested to see if, if any prospects announce it Wednesday at midnight. We've obviously never seen that on National Signing Day. I, I believe the, there was a rule you couldn't send in your your letter of intent till 7 o'clock local time, whatever it was. But that's no longer in place. Now they can do it at midnight Wednesday all the way up to uh, midnight of Friday into Saturday morning. So how this all plays out remains to be seen, uh, but it should be a, a wild ride. So one question that has to be asked with this early signing period is how are the high schools dealing with it? You know, the, obviously high school coaches, high school prospects, and administrators dealing with these college coaches and administrators uh, with this the unknown of this early signing period is going to create a lot of chaos potentially. So I figured I'm going to reach out to a high school coach, and who better than my buddy Mitch White. He writes for Gene's Page, which is the Mississippi State 247 sports page. He's also a quarterback coach at Douglas High School in Memphis. Uh, so he's going to hop on and join us here. Uh, just give us his thoughts on the early signing day period and what are recruits saying, not only of, of the signing day, but uh, I also wanted to ask him about uh, you know the relationships the new coaches in the SEC have with the Memphis prospects. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Memphis is a very fertile recruiting ground for several SEC programs, not only Tennessee, not only Ole Miss, but Mississippi State, Arkansas. You're know, going to see some Texas A&M. A lot of schools going in and out of there, obviously Vanderbilt. I couldn't think of anyone better to call than my buddy Mitch, so I hope you enjoy this conversation. I think you'll get a lot out of it. All right, and now we're going to be joined by Mitch White. He's a writer for Gene's Page. Every Mississippi State fan should know who they are. They work, uh, they're work. they now owned by Mississippi State 247 Sports, and he's also um, a high school coach for Douglas High School in Memphis, quarterback coach there. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter at M underscore white 14. He's a great follow for college football recruiting and especially sec, anything from the Memphis area. He's, he's the guy to, to follow on Twitter. So definitely give him a follow again. That's at M underscore white 14. Um, and thanks for uh, joining us, Mitch. Oh yeah, no problem, man. So I wanted to talk, you know, everyone wants to know what's up with this new signing day, uh, I really want to know your thoughts. How, how do you think it's playing out so far? Obviously, you know, we haven't got to the new signing day just yet. Nobody really seems to know what's going to happen. But um, heading into this this wild time, uh, what are your initial impressions of, of the move?
1: Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like it's a, a rush decision because you've got all these prospects, you know, trying to figure out, you know, are they going to be in the class? Are they not? I mean, it does give them more time to decide. You know, I guess it's better than, you know, in February, three, four days, finding out you're not going to be in a class. You do have more time to decide now. But, um, you know, as far as, like, new you know, new coaches going to other schools, you know, it, it creates a chaos for everybody, you know, trying to hire staff, trying to do all this stuff, you know. And you got all these kids about to sign, and you only know, have a certain, you know, a week or so with them to try to flip them. Or, you know, at least talk to them not into signing early. I mean, it, it's a lot more creative chaos than I think it should be. I think they should have just kept it, you know, the regular way in February. If you want to sign early, you know, just be an early enrollee, sign in January, you know. Mm-hmm. But that that's about my thoughts on it, man. Now,
0: I don't know um, if you've talked to any prospects and, you know, any – obviously, you're a high school coach. Uh, what what are the – what are you hearing from from the – you know, the prospects themselves, the recruits, are Are they fully aware of, of the difference between the new signing period and the traditional one? And, um, you know, are they being told that they potentially won't have a spot if they don't sign early? And are they aware that they can still be an early enrollee and, and not sign during this early, early period? Well, I think, yeah, I think
1: they are aware. Uh, I think the biggest thing, though, is just shoring up a spot in somebody's class because, you know, and unless you're like a surefire five-star kid who's got an offer from everybody, you know, your spot's not always guaranteed. As you know, as you can see at schools like Alabama, where they cut you know top 100 players in the country year by year. So I mean, I know I know it doesn't happen at a lot of schools, but I mean, you know, I think I think like I said, I think it has the one positive in it, and that's you can sure up a spot in a class. But other than that, I think it's just a whole thing of chaos and you know, I mean, if if a school is not sure about you being in their class anyway, it's probably not going to be the right landing spot for you in the first place. So, uh, I mean, you know, if, as far as everybody I've talked to, though, I mean, the prospects, they don't seem to, you know, hate the idea. But, I mean, I don't understand, I don't think they fully understand what they're getting into because, you know, like I was mentioning earlier about the, the coaching carousel, you know, and that includes assistant coaches as well. You know, if a kid signs somewhere because they like a coach at a certain school, and then you know, after after the early signing period, that assistant coach leaves and goes to another school, well, that kid can't get out of that that you know the signed document he signed. So I mean, he's you know he's basically screwed at that point. So I feel like it's going to create a lot of chaos in the future that we'll see here very soon.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, judging by what um, what I'm hearing from coaches, assistant coaches, and everything uh, after this early signing period, we're going to see a mass movement of assistants all across the country. A lot of staffs in the sec, even Tennessee, Arkansas, you know, they don't even have their staffs fully uh, in place yet. So, you know, they're going to be adding people. Uh, there's going to be a mix of, of just movement everywhere from the assistant ranks. And, uh, I think there's going to be some recruits upset. You know, there, it happens in February as well with the traditional signing period, but, uh, I think it's just going to create more headaches, but uh, you know I, I'm not ready to, to fully say it's a, it's, it's a bad idea until it's played out. I've seen people kind of already condemning the new signing period, but uh, you know, it, in the end, it could be a good thing. Uh, wh- one thing that, I, that I've kind of been throwing out there, I wouldn't be opposed to them moving the early signing period back to maybe August, right before college football and high school football starts, and then potentially if a head coach... Or a coordinator gets fired or moves on to another job, then letting the prospect out of out of their letter in, of intent. Uh, what do you th- what do you think about that idea?
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, it, you know, as far as like a prospect, if he could get out of his letter of intent, you know, with something that happens like that, then I yeah, I would totally agree. But you know, that that's that's just my biggest problem with this right now. You know, is. Like I said, I don't feel like the kids fully understand what could happen, you know, and you know, like, like I said, if, if a coach leaves and you've already signed the, you know, the letter of intent and you're basically, you, you have to go to that, you know, that program now, unless you want to transfer and set out a year, which I don't think, you know, in, in my opinion, I just don't think that's right. But, you know, like you said, I, you know, we should let it play out and see how it works out fully, but. You know, just me you know predicting the future, I don't, I don't see it working out smoothly at all. I think I don't think it'll be a long, or be around very long at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, another thing I
0: wanted to talk to you about, obviously, you're from Memphis, Coach in Memphis. Uh, a lot of people that are not from that area may not understand uh, just just the makeup of that town. Uh, my family is originally from Memphis, so I'm very familiar with it. I, I went to Tennessee, my father went to Tennessee, but a lot of my uncles went to Arkansas, Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State. Uh, that, that, that town is, is not a Tennessee town, it's, it's kind of all over the place. Uh, I, I think every SEC school in the area recruits Memphis very heavily year in and year out. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on um, you know, what you're hearing with the new staffs around the SEC. Um, and we might as well start with Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee. Uh, are you getting any kind of buzz, or or what's what's the general consensus of of that hire? Well,
1: from everybody I've talked to, you know, the bigger projects in Memphis, you know, he, him and his staff, somebody in his staff or himself, have reached out and made contact with the Memphis recruits, which I think is a really good thing because you know Tennessee, besides really signing Drew Richmond, you know, a couple of years ago from Mus. Mm-hmm. really hasn't been that involved in the city of Memphis. And I feel like, you know, there there are a lot of talented kids in Memphis that seem to get away go to other programs and do pretty good. But, I mean, um, you know, just it's, so far, you know, it seems like they've done pretty good, you know, with them reaching out to, you know, of course, the biggest Jerome Carvin. you know, they got Jerry Banks. You know, they've they definitely had communications with them. And then, you know, a few other 2019 prospects I've talked to have said they've had contact as well. But um, I think as far as you know, so far how it's been, you know, I think they've done a pretty good job.
0: What about uh, you know? Obviously, Ole Miss has a huge presence uh, in Memphis. Uh, wh- any reaction to uh, Matt Luke keeping that job, and, and just how's he done in, in that in that town?
1: Yeah, um, Ole Miss. You know, for the last few years, you know, Ole Miss is really they, they've owned Memphis because I guess you know it's so not a far drive or whatever but uh you know as far as the process I've talked to so far you know I haven't heard much on Matt Luke and Ole Miss a lot of them that you know I guess the sanctions that came down have kind of turned them off Mm -hmm. but uh uh you know I mean you know in the 2018 cycle the kids I've talked to haven't really had a lot of conversations with Ole Miss so you know, maybe that changes in 2019 because I think I think Memphis is going to be. You know, they've got a lot of talent coming from Memphis in 2019, but you know, we'll see. Oh, and what about uh,
0: Joe Moorhead? Anything there? I know, obviously, he's a northern guy. He's he's a bit of an outlier for the SEC. But uh, I, you know, I've been really impressed researching his resume, what he's done in his past, and even in his uh, initial press conference there. Just kind of, you know, I believe that they asked him that. You know, how are you going to recruit? Um, a Southern athlete, when you don't really have any ties down here, and uh, I know he he had said, uh, you know, if they're a football guy, I'm a football guy. We can easily connect, and he doesn't see any issues there. Uh, have you heard anything on uh, Joe Moorhead or or his Mississippi State staff?
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, you know very positive feedback on them. You know, I, I I thought the same thing as well. You know, because Mississippi State interviewed Jeremy Pruitt. They interviewed, you know, Moorhead. And, you know, I I thought, in my opinion, I thought Pruitt made more sense just because, like you said, if his southern recruiting ties, neither had been a head coach. Both have had success where they've been, you know. But, um, yeah, everybody I've talked to, though, had very, very good positive feedback on him. And um, it sounds like they're doing pretty well so far. Honestly, this is just opinion. But, you know, as everybody knows, you know, in, in the city of Memphis, Jerome Carlin is probably the biggest prospect. I think in my opinion it comes down to Mississippi State and Tennessee and from what I've, you know, been told by him, both staffs have made a very good impression on him, the new staffs. So, you know, it next week we'll find out on December twentieth, you know. Well I think he's actually doing a commitment on the nineteenth or the eighteenth, but you know, he'll be signing on the twentieth, so we'll find out. But, you know, um yeah, I think I think Moorhead, I think he's gonna be a good hire as well. You know, I talked to Steve Robertson at uh Gene Stage, you know, we write mm-hmm. together. And he, you know, and he told me he feels confident in him. He likes him. He thinks he's going to get the job done. So, you know, I think I think he'll be a good hire in the long run. Like you said, as long as they know football and he knows football, they feel like they're going to get together and, and do good. So, I mean, I think he'll be a good hire in the long run.
0: Yeah, I do too. I think that could be one of the you know the sneaky good hire of this off season in the, in the SEC. Um, he has a very similar resume to. Uh, Dan Mullen when he came into that job but obviously the job now is is in a much better position the facilities have been upgraded the talent's been upgraded uh, and I I th- I firmly believe they're going to be a preseason top 20 team they're going to have a re- they should have a really good team next year if he has success immediately I think it's going to be very easy for him to just build on what Mullen has done and, and continue the, the progress that down there in Starkville
1: I agree. Um, but, you know, as far as, far as you know, I'm not trying to bring this up again, but I think something else that could help a lot too is Ole Miss being in trouble with the sanctions. You know why I say this, but, mm-hmm. you know, last week they flip a, a four-star quarterback and then they land one of the top players in the 2019 class in Mississippi, mm-hmm. but I, I do think Mississippi State will be helped a lot in recruiting by that as well. And as you mentioned, too, they have a, a very talented and experienced team coming back next year. I do think they could compete, and I do think, you know, recruiting-wise, they will dominate the state the next few years just because of, you know, Ole Miss's problems. But, I, you know, I, I do think – I think Moorhead could do very, very well there. I think his, you know, his philosophy, what he does – And as far you know, like I said about Mississippi State being able to recruit really well these next couple of years, I think I think there could be some success there, definitely.
0: Now, obviously, Dan Mullen spent a lot of time at Mississippi State. He's now at Florida. Uh, You know, that's that's an area that Mississippi State like to recruit as well. Uh, Well, do you think he'll continue to try to recruit the Memphis area, or or does what's his reputation in that town?
1: Are you talking about Dan Mullen?
0: Yeah, do you think he'll continue to try to uh, recruit Memphis while he, while he's in Gainesville?
1: Well, yeah, I think he will. I think well, you know, of course if there's a national prospect in the city of Memphis, then I think he eventually will. Um you know, like like Jerome Carvin, for example, I mean, he's he's been all over Carvin. he's tried to get him down for this past weekend on an unofficial visit, but uh you know, he ended up canceling that and was supposed to go to Tennessee, but the ride situation kind of didn't pan out. But I do think – I think Mullen will still, you know, he'll still work the areas he knows, you know, and I'm sure he'll get more familiar with areas down there in Florida as well and, you know, you know, of course, Georgia and, and, you know, southern states like that. But, yeah, I definitely think Memphis will still be a, you know, a priority for him.
0: Okay, and then the two other coaches that are that are obviously at new jobs in the SEC, uh, Chad Morris at Arkansas and Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. Uh, to my knowledge they're they're not they don't have much of a presence there in Memphis, but uh, I could be wrong. is there any buzz in town on, on either of those hires?
1: No, not much to talk about either one of those. I I haven't heard anything from, you know, Chad Morris in Arkansas or, or Texas AM from any of the prospects down here. But, you know, as I said, I'm sure you know, I'm sure things will pick up in the two thousand and nineteen class because there'll be more time to recruit.
0: Thanks again for for joining us here. I I really appreciate it and uh uh, you got a really good insight there to you know what's happening there in Memphis high schools and at SEC recruiting so uh, anyone that wants to follow Mitch uh, again his handle is at underscore white 14 uh, I can't emphasize enough he's a must follow on Twitter uh, just constant recruiting information um, he's all over SEC stuff so um, definitely a, I highly recommend everyone to follow him Thanks again to Mitch White for joining me on it. I thought that was a really interesting conversation. Uh, the one last thing I wanted to touch on before we jump off here is just talking about the prospects that are expected to sign on National Signing Day, the early National Signing Day. We've got Cade Mays. He's supposed to sign during a ceremony on ESPNU at 2.30. He's obviously between Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State. Brenton Cox, five-star defensive end out of Georgia. He just tweeted out Sunday evening. He's down to Alabama and Georgia. We got K.J. Henry, defensive end, down to Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. That's going to be another big one to watch. And this is, like I've noted before, this is even going to extend to Friday. Terrence Marshall, five-star receiver out of Louisiana. Uh, Where's he going to go? Potentially LSU, Florida State, Texas, Texas A&M. He's picking on Friday, December twenty second. So we really don't know how this is going to play out. How many players, you know, have have their mindset today, but don't have it set tomorrow? It's going to be interesting to see how many people, how many players get cold feet. With looking at the list of the top one hundred players in the nation, it looks like a little over a third of them are currently uncommitted. It would it would be a surprise to me if you know all those players signed and and made a decision during this early period. I think those are the players that have the more power than anyone. You know, you're going to get a lot of three-star, low-four-star guys. Those guys are probably going to want to sign immediately if they already know where they want to go. The five-star prospects, high four-stars, they can be a little bit more selective. They can delay this process a lot longer. Uh, They have more power in this process than the schools at this point. So it's going to be really interesting to see how many of those players go away, and don't be surprised, the guys that sign, maybe their rankings take a little bit of a hit. The guys that don't sign, I could see their rankings taking a bump up to kind of uh, make the national signing day, the traditional national signing day in February, make it a little bit more interesting with all their grades ranked up. So uh, watch out for that. And as a sign-off here, I'm going to sign off the same way every time. Remember, don't tweet at recruits.